Welcome in to Locked On Blackhawks for Friday, October 18th, 2019. It is game day. The Blackhawks face off against the Columbus Blue Jackets tonight. A lot of stuff to get to from practice. And after that, we will share an interview with Blackhawks, I'll say legend. He scored the game-winning goal in 2013. He was a thorn in the side of the Vancouver Canucks for years. Dave Boland joins the Locked On podcast today. He will be honored tonight before the game with one more shift he'll be on the ice for the anthem in full uniform it's gonna be great to see dave boland out there but before we get to any of those things let's tell you how to get in touch with the podcast obviously you found the podcast make sure you subscribe rate and review we're on google play we're on apple Podcasts. we're on spotify stitcher Pocket Cast. wherever you can find a podcast you can find locked on blackhawks and make sure you tell a friend that's the best way to spread the word about a podcast you i'm sure you got some friends that love hockey Tell them about Lockdown Blackhawks. You can follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Blackhawks. Send me an email, LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com, or leave me a voicemail, 708-653-0572. Remember, Monday's show, that's the next show we'll do, is Mailbag Monday, so I need those messages, I need those emails, but the voicemails sound the best. It breaks up my voice, it gets your voice on the podcast, so leave me those voicemails, 708 653 zero five seven two all right some news from practice on thursday the lines remain the same basically the top line was taves with debrinket and kajula strom with shaw and kane camp with sod and kubalik and carpenter with perlini and nylander but perlini was sort of rotating in and out and uh, zach smith got another maintenance day today on the defense you had Duncan Keith, who returned to practice after a maintenance day on Wednesday, paired up with Connor Murphy. Olimata and Brent Seabrook remained together, and Calvin DeHaan and Eric Gustafson stayed together. One little change is on the five-on-three power play unit, Dominic Kubalik got a look. It was Gustafson, Kubalik, Kane, DeBrinkett, and Taves, and you could say, oh, who was the point man? It rotates on the Blackhawks power play. It could be Kane, it could be Debrinkit, it could be Kubalik. They've got a lot of guys who are capable of it. Obviously, Gustafson will be the main point guy, but that second point man sort of rotates because of their setup. One a couple things I want to get to. There was a quote from Jeremy Cowton. The Hawks did not post the audio of Cowton speaking after practice Thursday, but he had a quote about Brandon Saad that I thought was very interesting. He was asked what was the difference between this season and Brandon Saad and last season Brandon Saad this is from Ben Pope who covers the Hawks for the uh, Sun Times you could follow him on Twitter at Ben Pope CST here's Cowton quote sometimes not this year but maybe last year the puck management would haunt him a little bit again talking about Brandon Saad this year he's been almost perfect in that area very very encouraging to see that Brandon Saad is sort of starting to figure things out again it's been weird for him since he's returned to the team and for whatever reason, I don't know if it's been the expectations. I don't know if he's just sort of maxed out his ability. He looked like he was going to be the next Marion Hosa early in his career, but Saad has just sort of stalled out. He hasn't really taken that next step in his career here or in Columbus at all. He's just kind of been the same guy from the first day to now, and that's not a bad thing, but I think the expectations for Brandon Saad were much, much higher than what he's given, especially in his second stint here. You know, you traded Artemi Panarin for him. That's a lot to give up, and it wasn't just him. There were other parts of the trade as well, obviously, but um, great to see him, even in a third-line role, 
being the stir, <laughs> being my cliches this week, being the straw that stirs the drink. I named him uh, my number one star of the week on Three Star Thursday yesterday, and he deserves it. Two goals, one assist, three points, but he's been absolutely dynamite defensively. They shut down the McDavid dry settle line in the game against Edmonton on Monday. So, so far, so good with Brandon Saad. And I think it's interesting that of all the things that Jeremy Cowton chose to pinpoint, it was his puck management. Nothing else but puck management. Very, very interesting. That would be the place that Cowton would go when talking about Brandon Saad. Another note from Ben Pope. This one is not great. This is the tweet. 391 forwards across the NHL have played at least 20 minutes at 5-on-5. Jonathan Taves ranks 390th in scoring chances allowed per minute. I'm going to read that again. Listen carefully. 391 forwards across the NHL have played at least 20 minutes at 5-on-5. Jonathan Taves ranks 390th of 391 in scoring chances allowed per minute. That is Selkie Trophy winning, two-way forward star Jonathan Taves. By the way, 381st on that list of 391, Patrick Kane. But he's got two goals and three assists. Taves has one point, which was an assist on an empty net goal. It's troubling. It's also early. And I said on yesterday's podcast, if anyone's going to turn it around, if anyone's going to know how to fix this part of their game, it's Jonathan Taves. But to see him go from a career year where it looked like, oh my God, that Jonathan Taves is back and maybe he's better than ever to now being a defensive liability up front through four games. I'm going to keep qualifying that. I know it's four games, but I never in my life thought I would see Jonathan Taves. If, look, if I'm, if I'm going to worry about Taves, it's maybe he can't keep up the scoring pace that he's kept up in the past and maybe he becomes a 40, 50 point guy. I never thought that he'd be getting pasted defensively. That's something I never dreamed would happen. And we mentioned it on Thursday. His zone starts have been mostly in the offensive zone. So it's not like he's up against the toughest competition. Again, the camp sod Kubelik line has drawn the tough matchups almost every night, and especially in that game against Edmonton, where they were solely responsible for Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. So that's not an excuse for him either. He's not having the tough matchups he typically has. So something to keep an eye on as the season goes on. It's hard to miss. If Jonathan Taves is bad, this team is bad. There's, <laughs> I don't care. There's no way they can survive Jonathan Taves being one of the worst defensive forwards in hockey for 82 games. The thing that has always been the, the thing you can rely on him for is being a defensive shutdown forward. Even when the goals and the points were not coming, that defensive game was there. If that's gone, the Hawks are in big, big trouble. Is there anything better than a night out seeing your favorite band or sports team live? Whether it's a concert or game, nothing beats being in the building, right? Well, Vivid Seats is the place for tickets to all the live events you want to see. You can sort by price. You can cherry pick the exact seats you want all in the Vivid Seats app. Vivid Seats Rewards is their new loyalty program, by the way. With Vivid Seats Rewards, you can attend the concert or game you want and Earn credit towards the next live event on your radar. You want to go see Dave Boland? Take one more shift? Vivid Seats app. Do it. Go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. 
fans are automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats Rewards loyalty program. Every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. From the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater shows and more, Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app, join the Vivid Seats Rewards loyalty program today. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let the Vivid Seats app help you get to your favorite live event. Enter promo code POSTSEASON at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. With 70 seconds separating these teams from another overtime. Hasn't happened yet, though. Here's one thrown by Prolique that's blocked away by Raz. Help to the back. Oh, do you shot deflected? Scramble! They score! Ballin' three to two with less than a minute to go. That highlight courtesy of NBC Sports. It is Locked On Blackhawks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jay Zawoski with you here, and joining me now is Blackhawks legend. Legend, Dave Boland. Dave is going to be honored tonight at the United Center on the ice before the game. He'll be on the ice for the anthem in full uniform for one last shift. Dave, my one question when I saw this news was how in the hell was this not arranged for a game against the Vancouver Canucks? Yeah, that would have been fun. I, I think <laughs> that, that would have been a good that would have been a good timing. Uh, but uh, it's going to be against Columbus, so uh, it'll be fun. I'm I'm excited for it and honored that uh, to do it. Tell me about that phone call. Who who is the person from the Blackhawks that called you? How long have you had to get this all together? Uh, and what was it like? What was going through your head when you got this invite? Yeah, it was John, Pete Hassan. Uh, they're just great people, and uh, they came forward and said they wanted to do the uh, do the skate, do the one last shift, do the last shift. So I was. Uh, when I heard that, I was ecstatic and excited about it. I know my career's done and everything, but my uh, my whole career all began in Chicago. Um, my best years were in Chicago, and all the great things I did were in Chicago. So uh, just to come back and see the fans and see everybody, it'll be uh, it'll be great. Well, this is obviously the 10 year anniversary of the 2010 Stanley Cup. And they're honoring players all year, and they're going to have different special events. There's a Marion Hosa bobblehead that's going to be given out tonight when you uh, take the ice. Um, did you expect, even knowing that they were going to celebrate this all year, did you expect anything like this? Was it ever on your radar to get a call for one more shift? Uh, no, not really. It wasn't. Uh, I think last few years I've been uh, I've been on long term IR and just uh, taking care of myself, my back, my ankle, and that. And um, I think. Uh, that wasn't around. I wasn't really thinking about that. Uh, the one last shift. And once they came forward to me uh, with it, I was ecstatic and excited because uh, you see all the other guys that have done it, Savvy, Ronick, um, all the greats. Uh, and to do it uh, for the 2010, uh, the 10-year anniversary, starting for the Cup too. Um, it's it's going to be great. Well, since this was announced, I think it was announced uh, on Wednesday morning, uh a lot of the people I interact with are Blackhawks fans on social media and stuff, and everybody was excited. You'll always find somebody who's negative about every cool thing, but everyone was thrilled to see you be invited back, uh, especially after all the great moments you delivered. Um, so people are really thrilled. What are you looking forward to most about Friday night? Uh, I think just getting, I think a little nervous getting back on the ice. and uh, It's been a while since coming out to a big crowd and uh, seeing everybody. So I think just, Hearing that crowd go crazy and and yelling and screaming like like they did when when I was there, um, it'll be it'll bring back some really great memories uh, from 
from my first years there to the last years there, um, it'll be uh, it'll be pretty ecstatic. Well, we're going to get to your last years and your last moment, actually, as a Blackhawk later on in the interview. But I want to ask you, uh, the 2010 team, what made that team so special? Why were you guys, aside from having more talent than most of your opponents, which is a huge part of things, what made this, the 2010 team so special? Um, I think I, I, everybody asked me this, and I think it always comes down to how tight we were. Um, we were a tight group. Um, like everything like we did everything together uh there was no clicks we didn't have a click that would stay here and a click you know you get some clicks on teams that where guys hang out some guys or come out with you guys i know every time we go on the road and we have dinner uh it would be the whole group having dinner um and it was just a great team to be around like everybody got along we were all great and even till today you see a guy and you pop in and it's it's an easy conversation and you can talk to it. It's, it's, it's like you, you never left. It's like you never seen each other since that year. So um, it's that, I think just that group and how tight we were and how great of a group we were. Um, and like you said, the skill, we had a lot of skill. You look at all those guys, they're all top players on teams now. Uh, so uh, we had a, we had a special group that year. Was there a moment in the 2010 season Maybe it was regular season. Maybe it was a moment in the playoffs where you kind of said, "We're the team to beat. We're great. This is a great team, and we can definitely win the Stanley Cup." Was there ever was there a, a specific moment where you sort of had that realization? Uh, I don't think there was a specific moment uh, during that season that uh, that that I thought we were going to win the cup or knew we were going to win the cup. I think coming into it, it's 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 always uh, it's always pretty tough. I know you kind of towards the last. 20 games, you kind of see what kind of team you are. Um, but I think into the playoffs, after the first round, uh, we, I forget who, I think it was Nashville, we were still, we still weren't sure. Um, like, so, like, once we got past Nashville and then we were rolling, that's when I kind of got the thought, hey, like, we've got a great team here. Like, we're going we're gonna to win a cup. Well, that was, I mean, special for all Blackhawks fans. It had been since 1961 since that cup was won. Uh, but I want to talk to you about 2013, too. And, and we mentioned your last shift as a Blackhawk until Friday night, obviously, uh, <laughs> was the yeah. goal, the, the Stanley Cup clinching goal. You know, I, I, I have to imagine you've seen that highlight a million times. Everywhere you go, someone asks you about it. Do you have like a vivid memory of the moment when it happened and, and what was going through your head? Yeah, it was. Uh, like, something always pops up either on the internet or at the bar. Or there's always something on, you know, here in Canada, there's always the hockey always playing, right? So there's always Stanley Cup moments, uh, different segments they have for TSN Sportsnet. But um, yeah, it does pop up. And uh, yeah, it was, you always remember it. I'll always remember that goal. And uh, I'll always remember 2010 uh, winning that first Stanley Cup. But scoring that game-winning goal against Boston was uh, up there, too. Well, you and I, before uh, you left Chicago, we did a lot of bar events together for 670 to score. And I've, this is a question I've always wanted to ask you, but after you scored that goal, you left. Brian Bickle ties the game, and your line takes the next shift. As you were stepping over the boards to take that shift, what was the mindset? Was it get the game to overtime? Were you thinking, let's build on this momentum and score a goal? What were you thinking 
as you took the ice to take that ne- next shift before you scored that iconic goal? Well, after that 2-2, after it was 2-2, it was like, well, we still have time left here. Like, we could we could make this happen. But I think for myself, and we were, I think it was Krugs and uh, and Fro that we went on the ice there. So we uh, we were, uh, I think we were kind of keeping the lead, keep, keep the tie. Hey, we're going to, uh, we're going to overtime and we'll hopefully win this. I know when it was 2-1, we were like, ah, oh, we'll just go back to Chicago and, uh, and we'll win it back home, and uh, it would have been nice to win it back home. But um, but uh, we got the tie, and Krugs and Throw, and we all went out there, and uh, we uh, as a as a line there, we 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 helped there win the game. So it was. Uh, I don't think we were thinking we were going to score, but I think we wanted. We knew we wanted to score. Our guest on Lockdown Blackhawks is former center, former Blackhawk, and two-time Stanley Cup champion. David Boland. Right now, I'm actually working on a book about the Blackhawks, and uh, I'm working on the chapter against about the Canucks rivalry. And I feel like I've yeah, yeah. typed the word Boland more than yeah. <laughs> more than anything else. Uh, what was it about that rivalry that made you shine? That made you, uh, you know, you you are the guy people think of when they think of the Canucks rivalry. What was it about them, and what was it about you that was just that just made it so such a toxic mix? I guess you'd say. I think it was just the hatred between both teams. Like, you kind of go against other teams. We played Minnesota. We didn't like them. St. Louis, we were up there. We didn't like them either. But whenever we came against Vancouver, we hated each other. Like, like that was every game we had was a game seven game. And um, and I know we'd get – I know the nights before games, I'd be getting ready for that game, just knowing that, hey, it's not going to be easy. It's going to be a bloodbath. There's going to be – there's going to be a few fights. There's going to be a few sticks flown or a few fists. So um, it, it was always it was always one of those things that I got up for. But I think I always had to get up for it. I knew I had to be ready was for the Sedin twins. Um, they were great players. So, like, if they go on a tear and that's my fault, that was that's something that I, I got to be ready for and going against those top lines and I had to, uh, I always had to be ready. So, I think that was one thing as well for me as well that I, I knew I was going to be playing against the Sedin Twins, and if I didn't come out ready, um, that, that they could they could do some damage. And they were great players. You have to you have to know that that they, they were great. Well, I know you've got to be diplomatic, and I don't know if there's a media career in your future, so you got, maybe you got to be careful. <laughs> but the uh, the reputation yeah. that arose out of those series against the Canucks was that they were mentally weak. And you guys were mentally strong. Years later, Bruce Pedro would talk about the Blackhawks' resolve, and that's what made them so hard to beat. Do you think that the Vancouver was sort of mentally fragile, or was it you just, for whatever reason, ended up getting the better of them every series? It, it, that, that's sort of the reputation they earned from all those series against you guys was they couldn't do it, they would crumble under the pressure while you guys would thrive. Is there any truth to that? Uh, I think there's a little bit of truth to that, but I also think that like we would – I, I know I would go on the ice and burr and eggs and we'd cause some havoc. And I know they just want to kill us. I know they think <laughs> they would take dumb penalties. And we had Kaner, we had Taser, we had Sharpie. We had so much power on the, on the PP that once we were on the PP, like it was, it was a no brainer that we would score. Um, and I just think that, that we capitalized on most of their mistakes of taking dumb penalties and that we were just being smarter. I want to ask you about your early career because it ties in to a Blackhawks prospect. You spent your years in junior 
with the London Knights. Patrick Kane did as well. The Blackhawks' uh, top prospect, Adam Boquist, at least defensively, Adam Boquist spent some time there last year. What is it about the London Knights organization specifically that allows them to thrive at developing prospects so well? Is there something they do better or differently, or do they have resources that other teams don't have? Uh, well, you got Dale, Mark, and now you have Dylan Hunter that that's running and taking taking over and 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 helping out. Um, they come from an NHL hardworking family. Um, they're farmers and they they know what it is to work. And I just felt when I was there, uh, they prepared me for the NHL. Uh, they, I, I remember when I got to Lennon, um I was a one dimensional player. I didn't know what my defensive zone looked like. I, all I knew was about scoring goals and putting the puck in the back of the net. And I tried to do that in London. And uh, the first year, I didn't get it. And uh, Gail humped on that and sort of gave me the, hey, if you don't play defense, you're not, not going to play in the NHL. So I kind of bunkered down, and, and he taught me a lot of this. But uh, you, you look at all the guys that have come from the London Knights, Rick Nash, uh, there's tons of guys. Lots of guys, and you look at Kaner, um, and Kaner can tell you that that they treat their players here like pro players. Uh, they don't get treated like junior players. Uh, they help them any way they can to to succeed and 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 to be ready to play. Um, they got they just Dylan Hunter just joined the uh, just joined. Well, he didn't just join. He's maybe a little bit older than me, but he joined a few years ago, and he's kind of taken in his old man's footsteps, and he's done a great job with some of these young guys and. He was one of the guys that was probably uh, that helped Boker. Uh, I was there last year and saw saw what they do, and they concentrated. They help these guys every day. They show them video, and uh, the amount of time that they put into to uh, to these players is is crazy. Um, they're with them twenty four seven. Well, I'm I'm glad you mentioned that about your career and how you couldn't find the defensive zone. By the way, that fits the criticism of Adam Boquist very well, despite him being a defenseman, but. Yeah, I did a couple of those events that we did together with John Scott as well, and and he sort of talked about, look, all of us at some point in our career were the best players on our team. It's those of us that could figure out if I'm going to play in the NHL, I have to adapt my game. He need he found out he needed to be an enforcer. You adapted your game and became one of the best defensive forwards the Hawks have ever had, and you had that offensive ability as well. I, I would imagine it's quite a challenge for young players in junior to go from being a guy who has 130 points like you did to, okay, yeah. guess what? You're here now. You're among the best. You're not a scorer anymore. That's got to be a difficult adjustment for a lot of guys to make. Yeah, it was. I, and I, that, that was a, one big adjustment for me. I know I had a, I had 130 points in the NHL, and I kind of thought I was just going to bring that over to the NHL, and it was going to be a easy easy transition, but it wasn't. um <laughs> Excuse me. I just uh, I basically went down to the minors and I had Al McIsaac there that was great uh, as a GM and helped helped me with little things and and taught me a lot. And then uh, I had Mike Hoblin as my coach. And going down to the minors isn't a bad thing. It's uh, I think it's a great thing. It taught me a lot. It taught me a lot about hockey and even growing up and everything. It's it's it kind of gets you ready for the NHL. Um, so, but I think Boker's going to be a, a great fit for for the, for the Blackhawks. I know when he was here, he's he's an offense he's he's an offensive uh, defenseman, um, but he's got a great shot. He's got great vision. He knows where everybody's on the ice. He's got a great first pass. 
uh, I think he, he's going to be great for uh, the Blackhawks here too. All right, Dave Bowen, I have one last question for you. A seven-game yeah. series, the 2010 Blackhawks versus the 2013 Blackhawks, which team wins and why? Oh, geez. I'd have to go so probably the 2010. I don't know. 2010. <laughs> we, had a, we had a great team in 2010. We were uh, – we had a we had a lot of firepower. I think both teams would. I think it'd be a tie. <laughs> Just endless overtime <laughs> until the world ended. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Keep it tie. All right, Dave. Good luck tonight at the United Center. Uh, hopefully, you bring home a win for the Blackhawks. They need a lot of them, uh, and uh, we appreciate you joining us here on Lockdown Blackhawks. Thanks so much. No, awesome for having me. It's always been fun. I always love talking to, uh, to you guys. Thanks to David Bolin for joining. The Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. Thanks to Will Chuckerman and everybody at the Chicago Blackhawks for making it happen. They reached out to me. I never dreamed they would allow a Blackhawks player to be on Lockdown Blackhawks. Very, very glad they did. Good to catch up with Dave Bowen again. I hope you guys enjoyed the interview. If you're going to the game, make sure you cheer loud for Dave Bowen. He deserves it. That guy worked his ass off for the Blackhawks and delivered some of the greatest moments in Blackhawks history. A guy that should not be forgotten, and I'm glad the Hawks were aware of that and are not forgetting him. With that, we're going to wrap things up. Thanks for joining me this week. Thank you all so much for the support. Again, rate, subscribe, review. Those five-star ratings and those reviews, those positive reviews, really, really go a long way. And of course, tell a friend. Remember, Mailbag Monday coming up on Monday. Send me your tweets, your emails, and most importantly, your voicemails. Tweet me at LO underscore Blackhawks. Email LockedOnBlackhawks at gmail.com. The voicemail number is 708-653-0572. 708-653-0572. Thanks for listening. This is Jay Zawoski. This has been Locked On Blackhawks on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.